Bible, raise your hand. We'll get a Bible to you. Philippians 4, verse 9. Or 10. Yeah. Philippians 4. Philippians 4. All right, let's pray. Ask the Lord to bless our time together this morning in his word. Lord, we're so grateful for you this morning, and we just want to say thank you, Jesus for being our Lord, our Savior, our Shepherd, our all, Lord. And we give you our hearts afresh, open our hearts afresh to you, to what you desire to do within each one of us this morning. We thank you for your word. We know that your word works effectively in those who believe, and so we trust you. We give you our attention this morning, and we look forward to a fresh work of your spirit. We are in need of that fresh work this morning, and so God, have your way. Do those things that only you can do. Meet us right where we're at. Help us to grow, to bear fruit that would bring you glory. And so we thank you, and we commit this time to you now, and it's in your precious and holy name, Lord Jesus, that we pray, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. So we are getting into the tail end of this letter that the Apostle Paul is writing to, remember this was a church that he had planted, that he had been involved with, had taught, um, had been invested in them, and remember this is a church that was invested in Paul as well. And by and large, this letter is a thank you letter. It began with thanks. And we're going to see as we get to the tail end of the letter that Paul is thanking the Philippians for their support, for their care, for their love, for their fellowship together uh, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, their lives connected together. And, And remember, the apostle Paul is writing from prison with a theme of what? What's the theme of this book? A theme of joy, and that should tell us something. If Paul can have joy in a Roman prison, which was super gnarly, it's not like our prisons here, super gnarly prison, if Paul can have joy there, listen, we can have joy anywhere, by the way. He's teaching us that we can have joy um, no matter what circumstances we are going through, no matter how difficult, no matter how challenging the things that we are going through, whatever it is we're facing in life, we can have joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength, gang. And that joy is connected with Jesus and connected with our fellowship with him and with one another and and the good news of the gospel. And Paul has been laying out for us some reminders of of having joy, having that attitude to live as Christ, to die as gain. Hey, I know what life is all about now. It's living for Jesus. It's walking with him day by day. And if I die, I know that I'm going to be with him forever in heaven. Joy is having the mind of Christ right? Not caring about our own reputation, humbling ourselves, being servants, obeying the Lord. We find that there's joy in that, doing it God's way. You guys have, have you guys found joy in doing it God's way? Amen. Some of us, do you remember when you didn't do it God's way? There was some pain, wasn't there? There was some emptiness. There was some, some hurt, hurting you and hurting others. And then you start to do it the Lord's way and you see that his word works and there's joy in that. And there's joy in having an eternal perspective, You realize time is short that the Lord allows me the privilege of serving him, of being a part of his work, and and it is him who works in me both to will and to do for his good pleasure, and and that takes all the pressure off. It's him working in our lives. That brings joy. Trying Trying to maintain or attain righteousness or trying to do those things to earn God's approval, that will wear you out, man. That's a heavy yoke. All the Lord wants from you and I is to simply trust Him. To trust Him. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. He just wants us to simply trust Him, to walk with Him, to follow Him. 
And now as we get into the tail end of this letter, we, we also talked about the peace of God and, 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 and prayer and the things that we meditate on. And, 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 that, and those things also bring joy into our lives as well. And, and now we're going to learn about contentment this morning. Content, you guys content this morning? Are you experiencing contentment in your life? Well, we're going to see that uh, contentment is tied with flexibility. It's tied with learning, walking with Jesus day by day. Let's see what Paul says. Let's see what God's Word says this morning. What steal, you know what steals joy? Being rigid. Yep. Selfish. Um, so let's check it out. Let's see what it says. Verse 10. God's Word says, Paul writes, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. And what's the key? It's right here in the next verse. You guys know this verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you guys know that verse, Philippians 4.13? A lot of times we use that as the, the superhero Christian verse, don't we? I can do all, da, da, da. but the context is what? Is all situations in life, whether I'm in the penthouse, the outhouse, anywhere in between, whatever's going on in my life, I've learned to be content because it's Jesus Christ who, can do, who does all things, right? Who strengthens me, who does all things in me and through me and strengthens me. He makes it happen in my life. He's the one who my life is in his hands. But look what Paul says. We're going to break this down. He says, I'm super happy. Look at verse 10. Enjoy your attention there. I'm overflowing with joy. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for touching the Philippians' hearts again. Thank you so much for that gracious gift, how you worked in their lives. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. And what was he rejoicing greatly about? Look what it says. Once again, he says, your care for me. You were thinking of me. You were mindful of me, and you blessed me. Notice he says, your care has flourished again. Your care, your thoughtfulness, literally means it means to have blossomed again. It, it was dormant for a little while, but it's blossomed again. And it wasn't like he says, it wasn't like you stopped caring. You were concerned, but look what it says at the end of verse 10, but you lacked opportunity. You didn't have the opportunity to demonstrate that care for whatever reason. We don't know why. They, because this was a church, and we're going to talk about, was a church that regularly supported the Apostle Paul in their giving, in their, their sacrificial giving. The Philippians had sent, remember back in chapter 2, verse 25, they sent a guy named, you guys remember the guy, his name? The Philippians sent a guy named, it rhymes with Epaphroditus. It starts with E. Epaphroditus. They sent Epaphroditus with a love gift, a care package. And again, I mentioned earlier, their prison, the Roman prison, is not like ours. When you go into prison in Rome, it's like you got nothing. You don't get a bed, a blankie, three square meals, cable TV, or whatever. It's you got nothing, and you are relying on anyone else that will help you. And so the Philippians get word, and they're like, we got to help out Paul. Epaphroditus, remember, we talked about Epaphroditus. He was willing to be a delivery boy. And how important that is, that we're willing. Am I willing to be a delivery boy or a delivery girl or whatever to serve the Lord? It's a hard task, a, a menial task, but it meant so much to the Apostle Paul. We're going to read later in this chapter. It means so much to God. And so Epaphroditus brought this gift, whatever it was, blankets, clothes, food, 
financially as well. They supported the Apostle Paul. And their support for Paul was stalled for a little while. And you know what I, I like about the Apostle Paul? He's not ticked off. You know? He's like, where's my support, man? I thought you guys were behind me. He's like, no, I, I, I'm rejoicing greatly. Man, your, your care has flourished again. It's, it's blossomed again. I'm so grateful. Thank you, Lord, that you're using these precious people in my life in this way. Look what he says in verse 11. I'm not saying this because I'm destitute or in regard to need. This is not some ploy to get something. It's not some ploy to tug on your heartstrings. Because there's a lot of churches that do that, ministers, by the way, that do that. Guilt gotcha or whatever. Not that I speak in regard to need. Why? I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. It's so interesting, that word learned. It's the, it's, we get the word mathematics from it. It means to go sequentially, step by step. Paul's like, step by step, I've learned... And isn't that what happens when you're walking with Jesus step by step? He's teaching us. He's showing us. I literally, I've gone through the process. Whatever condition I find myself in, whatever the circumstances in which I am placed, I am content. What does content mean, by the way? It sounded good. <laughs> Heard a little. I asked Alana my 10-year-old. She said, being happy with what you have, Dad. I think that's a pretty good definition. I'm, it's peaceful happiness. It's being at ease. I'm satisfied. I'm content. David said, remember what David said, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not, shall not want. I'm good with him leading my life. Wherever he leads me, whether it's through the valley of the shadow of death, whether it's at the plateau, whether it's in the, the green grass next to the, 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 the cool waters. I'm down because my life is in his hands. He's my shepherd. And that's what Paul is saying here. I'm just trusting. I'm learning from the one I'm walking with. He's teaching me. And he goes on, and, and he goes on to say what? Look what he says. Step by step, I've learned contentment. I know how, verse 12, I know how to be abased. What does abased mean? To be poor, to live humbly, to live in low circumstances, like you're just hovering around poverty or just you're scrapping. Anybody ever scrap to make ends meet? Some of us are there right now, right? Month to month. I'm month to month, just like everybody else, trusting the Lord month to month. Paul says here, one translation says, I know in fact how to discipline myself in lowly circumstances. I know how to abound. Abound means to be in, in prosperity. That same translation says, I know in fact how to conduct myself when I have more than enough. And then he says, look at the next word, everywhere, in any place, no matter what my location, no matter what my position, my status, in all, in all, how much is all things? All, everything, I have learned and this word learned is different from the word in verse 11. In verse 11, remember what it is? It's step by step. Sequentially, I'm learning. This means to be initiated into like a secret. It's like when you have an aha moment. Aha, oh, I get it. I, I get it now. I understand. I've learned, some translations say, I've learned the secret. Step by step, I've been learning. And then now... Oh, aha, I get it. I get what this is all about. So beautiful. I've learned the secret. Whether I'm filled up, satiated, stuffed, I'm full, or whether I'm hungry, stomach growling, things are lean, I've learned the secret both to abound, to have an excess and more than enough. I learned the secret to suffer need, to be lacking, to fall short, to be deficient, all of these situations, all these different seasons, because we go through different seasons of life, don't we? All these seasons of life, Paul says, all of this brings me to a deeper knowledge. All of it, I'm learning, I'm growing, and I've learned the secret. What's the secret? What's the, what's the secret this morning? When I, was in a, when I was in a fraternity in college, I'm not promoting fraternities at all. I didn't know Jesus. 
but I use this illustration. When I was in a fraternity, you finally get through the whole thing, the pledge thing, hell week, all that stuff, and then they share the secrets with you. They bring you into a special room, and they say, make sure you don't tell anybody these secrets. I'm going to tell you guys the secrets this morning. You ready? You get in there, and you're going, okay, what's it going to be? I can't wait. We went, we went through this, this rotten year, half year. What's it going to be? You ready? Circles are round. <laughs> Wherever you go, there you are. Oh, wow. So profound, man. Those are great secrets, man. Paul's like, I've learned the secret. What's the secret? It's Philippians 4.13. For, reason word, for I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In all things, I have strength. I am able. The idea is you can do something with power. I am strong in the one who strengthens me. This is so beautiful. It is Jesus who empowers us. It is Jesus who carries us. It is Jesus who promised to never leave you nor forsake you, that he would be with you that he would care for you. He constantly infuses me with strength. He strengthens me for all things. I have strengthened the one strengthening me. I realize in all of this, I can do this. Why? Because Jesus is with me. He's the one helping me through this. And the context is being content in any circumstance that God allows or he puts us into. Are you with me? It's important to understand the context, isn't it? Because you can sometimes pull verses out and kind of make them say whatever you want. But in context, he's saying these are circumstances that I am content in. I think there's a couple lessons here to take note of. The first one's from verse 10, back to the Philippians. Because there's a lesson from the Philippians for us this morning. And I would say, number one, real care for others is demonstrated by our actions, not with our lips. In 1 John chapter 3, you guys know this verse, 1 John 3, 16 through 18. I'm going to read it. By this we know love. How do we know love, John? Because he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. If you ever want to know what love is, just look at Jesus laying down his life for us. And, John goes on to write, we also, who's he speaking to, by the way? Who, who's John writing to? The church. the church. Would that be us this morning? And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? And so here's the Philippians, and what do they see? They see a brother in need, correct? Was Paul in need? And so what did they do? They moved with sacrificial giving. This was not a wealthy church. We learn that in 2 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 8. They were one of the poorer churches. And they were the only church, Paul's going to say later, they were the only church that supported him. Here's the poorest church around, that's doing the most. Sacrificial giving. And John goes on to say, but my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Not just lip service, but life service. There's a demonstration. There's something behind. Oh, it is okay to say, I love you, isn't it? We should, shouldn't we? Husbands, should we say that to our wives? I sit it at the altar, Pastor. No, you should say it every day and remind her. <laughs> but not just like with all, with all of us, right? I love you shouldn't just be some empty sentiment or statement. John says, God says to us this morning. Number two lesson this morning, if you're taking notes, contentment does not come naturally. It is learned. Did you guys see that in the text this morning? contentment, does it come natural? It doesn't, does it? It must be learned, and it is a process that we go through as we walk step by step with Jesus. 
Step by step, he leads us. If we're willing to be instructed, the problem is sometimes we're not willing to be instructed. Right? We're still prideful. We're still trusting our own wisdom, our own strength, our own smarts. And the Lord's trying to teach us something, and yet we're not willing to say, oh, I got it. Aha. Okay. I get it, Lord. You are trying to teach me this. And then things start to click. The light goes on as you're walking with him. And Paul's like, I know both sides. I can be content in either case, whether I'm abounding or whether I am abased. And Paul was a wealthy man at one point in his life. He was wealthy. As a Pharisee, those dudes were wealthy. They were ripping off the widows. They had all kinds of money, prestige and power and all of that. And Paul also was abased too. Where was he writing from again? From prison. The chapter earlier, I think it was the chapter earlier, wasn't it? That he said, I've suffered the loss of I've suffered the loss of how many things? Of all things. He lost everything. And what does he say here? I'm good. I know Jesus will take care of me. I'm content. I will keep doing what he's called me to do. I will keep seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. And what's he going to give to me? He's going to give me the strength. He's going to give me what I need. And listen, Paul said earlier also, I haven't arrived yet spiritually. It's something, even in this area, he was still learning. Is, it, is everybody here still learning? Has anybody arrived yet? Spiritually? None of us have. Are you, listen, are you down with learning this morning? If not, your joy, your contentment is going to get ripped off. And mine will too. And here's the deal. When we're abased, great things can come forth from our lives. Did you know that? Did you guys know that? When we're abased, remember David in the Old Testament? Remember when he was on the run? You guys remember that? Where was he eating every night? Like Whataburger and what was he? He was scrapping. On the, being hunted down. His life, can you imagine your life being hunted down? I mean, their brothers and sisters around the world, their lives are being hunted down. Yeah. They're abased. David was abased. Everything stripped from him. Family, position, his job was stripped from him. He had nothing. Living in caves, hopping from cave to cave. And what came out of his life? What came out of his life? You guys know. What? The Psalms. Aren't you guys grateful for the Psalms? Is anybody not grateful for the Psalms this morning? Isn't that where you go when you're hurting? When you're suffering, when, when the chips are down, when things are gnarly, don't you go... Oh, you can, if you open your Bible right in the middle, it opens the Psalms, by the way. It's right there. And all of a sudden you're reading, and you could be reading that Psalm going, Lord, you have no idea what I'm going through. And you open that Psalm, and he speaks right to your heart, doesn't he? It's like, oh, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Good things can come out of when we are abased. Didn't Joseph learn contentment in his journey? Did he hit some rough patches? And then he looked back over his life, and what did he say? What they meant for evil, God used for good. Man, God's hand was in all of this, and he took care of me the whole way. He provided for me the whole way. How about Elijah? You guys remember Elijah? Remember when, remember when Elijah, the famine hit Egypt? Where did he go live? Where was he living at? The mountains, the beach. Where was he living at, you guys? Another rhyming. Brook starts with C, rhymes with Nareth. Brook, Brook Cherith. <laughs> Things dried up, the water dried up, food dried up, and who provided for him? How did God provide for him? The ravens brought him food and beverage. Can you imagine? Here comes his hummus and falafel. <laughs> ravens are bringing the food to him there. Are you with me? He was abased. But he didn't say, you know, like profit for hire, you know. <laughs> Feed a prophet, <laughs> you know. He didn't go to God's people and say, you know what, my, my ministry's going down and you better dig deep. This is not a nonprofit organization. You know what I'm saying? You guys know what I'm saying here? 
because where did he go? He ended up going to the widow's house. And they're, like, they're down to their last bit of what? Flour and oil. Did God provide? Time of abasement. Trusting God. Everybody's learning that lesson together. They're learning. How about Abraham? How about a guy who learned both to be abased and to abound? Didn't he? You guys remember Abraham? You guys remember Abraham? <laughs> Called out of Ur the Chaldees. Right? Leave Leave your family, leave everything behind. Come to the land, I'm going to show you, God said. He, picks, he just picks up and goes. Right? And he pulls into the land. And what does he do? God said, this is, I'm giving you this land, it's yours. Did Abraham and Sarah build like a big old like beach house in Haifa? How about a cabin up in... No. Where did he live? He lived in a tent. He was one of the richest dudes in the Bible. Living, living in a tent? What? Well, because two things defined his life. His tent defined his relationship with this world. I'm just a pilgrim passing through. The best is yet to come. I'm looking for my hometown, which is heaven. And the altar, which defined his relationship with heaven, with God. He's a worshiper. And, but remember when things got lean? What did he do? Do you guys, do you guys remember the story in Genesis? Things got lean. A famine came to the promised land, and what did he do? Big boo-boo. He went, he went southbound to Egypt, Egypt told, told his babe to lie. Correct? She, man, she went along with it gets taken into a harem to cover his hide. Right? We can make some dumb moves when things get lean. Correct? Did God take care of him? Did God take care of Sarah? He did, didn't he? What were they learning all along the way that God's going to care for you? Learning contentment. Okay. We're okay. I know how to live when things are difficult. I know how to live when things are prosperous. Many don't know how to be abased. Or many know how to be abased, but many don't know how to abound. Did you guys know that? You know what I'm talking about? When we're desperate, desperate times mean desperate prayers, don't they? Oh, Lord. Do you care? We're not going to make it this month. We're going down. The ship's going down, Lord. We hit a storm. We're done. But what happens when you're smooth sailing? Didn't God warn the, the children of Israel about that? When you come into the promised land, you move into houses that you didn't build, you partake of the blessings of the land, be careful lest you what? Lest you say in your pride, look what I did, and you forget God. That's what happens. When we're abounding, what can happen? We're having success, and we forget the Lord, and we think, you know what? Look at my smarts. Look, at my, look what I do with my degree. And not only that, we can be, when we're abounding, we can become super judgmental, can't we? Well, if you thought like I do, you would be such a loser. <laughs> or whatever. You could, be, you could be right where I am if you would just do that. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It's a, danger, it's a danger when we are abounding. Pride, judgmentalism, you're no longer grateful, or you become greedy for more when you're abounding. Listen, we need to learn, when we are abounding, we need to learn contentment. Say, thank you, Lord, for what you've blessed me with. I don't need, a, you know, this car, these four, four different cars to go four different directions, north, south, east, west. I'm good with this one. I'm okay. I'm okay with these threads. <laughs> you know? It's coming back around. The style's coming back around. Just wait a couple few years. <laughs> and, and what else happens when we're abounding? A fear of, how about a fear of loss? Right? Is this resonating with anybody? Maybe you're saying, no, I'm, I'm a based man this morning. There's problems with that too, isn't there? How about hopelessness? 
never going to get out of this hole. I'm done. Or bitterness. You start blaming others. You blame God. You blame yourself. When you're a base, there's problems too, isn't there? Laziness. But you know, the answer is always Jesus. Do you guys know that this morning? Do you guys know that this morning? Have you learned that this morning? Have you learned that as you've walked with him? Step by step, sequence, sequential order as you're walking with him. And then you have an aha moment. Maybe this morning it's your aha moment. Ah, aha. I get it. The answer is you. Isn't that with our kids when you ask them a question? Okay, what's the answer to this question, honey? Blah, blah, blah from the Bible. Jesus! And you're like, absolutely, you're right, but... What's the answer to this? Jesus! You're right, that's right, but... It, it, but no buts, it's always Jesus. He's always the answer. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus will supply everything we need, listen, when we trust him. That's kind of like an amenable moment, but... You know what that means? We don't need to beg others for stuff. We don't need to manipulate and scheme or pressure people. If we believe that God is working all things together for good, it, it frees us up. Jesus frees us up from all of that stuff. Are you with me? We need to trust the Lord. The key is understanding who he is. Because when I'm abounding, when I'm going through that season of abounding, I realize it's all because of Jesus. Everything I got is because of him. Amen. All I am, all I have is because of Jesus. Jesus said, John John 15, 5. Take a message. We're on a roll here. We we don't want to distract the learning. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Correct? That should remove all pride, all judgmentalism. Takes it right, it's just gone. It's all grace. It's all him. Jesus has blessed me. And Lord, I just want to thank you for everything. I don't deserve any of it. It's all because of who you are. When I'm abased, there's always hope. Because Jesus is the God of all hope. When I'm abased, I don't need to get bitter. Why? Because I know that God keeps his promises and he's working all things together for good of those that love him. And I can say, Lord, I trust you. It's okay. It's all good. One way or another, you will take care of this situation. You will take care of me. I can because he can. There's no room for bitterness because I know he's working all things together for good. What about laziness, man? Well, we're learning in Proverbs, aren't we? We're we're going through Proverbs right now, Wednesday nights. Jesus says a lot about laziness. But if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, guess what he's going to do? He's going to take care of you. He'll provide for you. Paul said to Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. (laughs) Naked we came in, naked we... We go home, correct? Yeah. Is that correct? Yes. Do, you guys have ki- do you guys have kids? Anybody have kids here? Mm-hmm. Remember when they were babies? Do they come in with like pearl necklaces, Gucci stuff? <laughs> Nada. Zero. So Paul's saying to Timothy, be content with what you got. And if you've been blessed, if you've been blessed, make sure you share, but also... Enjoy those things that God has given you. Did you know that? You can enjoy the things God has given you, not get all beat up. Are you with me this morning? That's what the book says. The problem is when our possessions begin to possess us. And we're no longer content. And so God is good. Paul had freedom in his prison cell. He has joy, contentment. I know Jesus. I know he'll take care of me. He's done it before. Has God been faithful in your life? He's going to do it again. 
He'll give me the strength I need. Nevertheless, look what he says, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, this is so important, tune in. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from, what does your Bible say? Epaphroditus, the things sent from you, this is so good, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You guys ever heard that verse before, verse 19? You guys ever heard that verse before in verse 19? It's it's another verse taken way out of context, by the way. It's again, it's like the magic Christian, super Christian verse. This verse is for specific believers. Believers, Mm -hmm. but for specific believers. Let's break it down. Look what it says with me, verse 14. Hey, you've done honor, you've done well, you've done honorably. That, that word is so beautiful, so awesome. It's beautiful plus work in the Greek. He says, you've done a beautiful work, an attractive work. What you've done has produced beauty. What did they do? How did they produce beauty? Look what it says. You shared in my distress. And that word shared, we get koinonia from the root of that word. Koinonia means what? Fellowship, in common, connection. You participated with me. You made yourselves fellow partakers in my distress, tribulation, heaviness, pressure I was going through. You had fellowship with me. You had intimate connection with me as I've been under pressure and persecution and pain. This is so important to take note of. Paul was under pressure, and so were they. In other words, you're in this with me. And very important as we look at this this morning, um, this care package that was sent, it was a love gift because love was attached and caring was attached to it. It wasn't just, hey, let's send some support to Paul. He's saying, you are in this with me. We care about what you are going through. Listen, do you care about what others are going through? Are you touched by the infirmities of others? They were touched. They entered into. God says we are all members of the same body and should have the same care for one another. When one member suffers, we we all suffer. Do we? This is so beautiful, what they do. They are bearing. Remember what we're told in Galatians? Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? It's the law of love. Thank you. To love God with all we got and to love our neighbor as ourself, to love our brother. And so this was a beautiful thing. Paul says, this was a beautiful work. There was beauty. It brought forth beauty because they were willing to what? They were willing to sacrifice. They were willing to care about Paul. They associated themselves with him. When the chips were down, when things got heavy, they didn't bail on him. And I'm bringing this up because we love winners, don't we? We love a winner, correct? Strohs are doing good. Yeah, I got my hat on. Texans, I got my, you know, whatever. 
my number one, big old number one thing. But when they tank, I put on my A&M stuff. No. <laughs> See, I threw that in there. Big win yesterday. We love winners. But what about losers? Jesus loved the people, didn't he, that were considered losers, undesirables? The cast-offs, the castaways. Why am I bringing this up? Because so often in, in the church we shoot our wounded. Those that have fallen, those that have blown it, those that are going through, those that are going through difficulty, I gotta, I'm going to kind of move away. I don't want that to rub off on me. Like bad luck schlep rock or whatever. Paul's down. It's interesting because when Paul wrote 2 Timothy, people were bailing out on him. Paul's not a winner anymore. He's not planting churches, not writing letters, not he's still writing letters. But they hung in there with Paul. I think and Paul is so grateful. Not just for the love gift, but for the love behind the gift. Are you with me? And so, church, he says, you Philippians know, you're well aware, when I brought you the good news, the beginning of the gospel, and then left your area, Philippi is in Macedonia, northern Greece, he traveled southbound, I departed your area, not one church shared with me. Same Greek word koinonia in the root, which means fellowship, connection, having in common. No one shared with me in regards to what? What does he say? Concerning giving and receiving, but you only. Even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent not just once... But on multiple occasions, you took care of me to supply what? What I needed, my necessities. And this is important. The Philippians contributed regularly in order for Paul to continue ministry. And Paul's grateful. You gave me what I needed to continue. You kept me going. You made it possible for me to continue doing what God has called me to do, to preach the gospel, to further the kingdom, to stay in business, to be about the Father's business to do those things that we're all called to do. The Philippians shared in Paul's sufferings and tribulations. They also shared in the fellowship of giving and receiving. And it's interesting what Paul wrote about this very thing in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. He said, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. You know what the Philippians were doing? They were following the example of Jesus Christ. We're going to grace. We're going we're gonna to associate ourselves with Paul, with his suffering. We're going to have compassion. Having compassion doesn't mean, oh yeah, I feel bad for you. It's... It's stepping out in care, in love. And Paul's heart in verse 17 is so awesome, isn't it? I'm not desiring a present. I'm not seeking the gift. I'm not seeking a love gift. This is not some self-serving thing, he says. But I seek the fruit. I'm, immen- I'm intensely desiring the fruit that what? Abounds to your account that continually increases on your heavenly account. This is so beautiful. Did you guys catch what he's saying here? What I'm, sa- what I'm seeking is fruit, rewards in heaven that are accumulating to your account. What's going to be accredited to you? This is so, so good. I want you to be blessed. I want you to superabound with fruit. I'm not craving the, the, the gift. I'm craving the fruit in your life. I think that that should, listen, that should be the heart of every single person serving the Lord. Is desiring fruit in other people's lives. You know what I'm talking about? Does this make sense, you guys? Not only now, but eternally. 
And Paul knows a fruitful life is a joyful life. It's the heart of God, isn't it? Does God want your life to be fruitful? Is that the heart of Jesus? Does he want your life to be fruitful? Should that be the heart of those who serve Jesus for others? Is to see their lives fruitful, abounding in fruit? Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And take note of this. God was, taking, God was doing a radical work in the heart of the Philippians. And it is an eternal work. Can I remind you guys this morning, remind myself and all of us, you have an account in heaven. You have an account in heaven. And you have resources God has given you for the furtherance of his kingdom and his glory. And God wants your account to abound in heaven. Jesus said many, many times to wisely use the resources he's given us. He put it this way. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So good. Many occasions Jesus spoke about making our lives count, investing in that which is eternal. You can build up your account, have fruit abounding to your account, just like the Philippians. And then verse 18. I can't believe we're going to run out of time and not finish this book. That's okay. Look what it says. He says, indeed, for sure, I have all. I got all, I got all I need. I'm well supplied. I, have, I abound. I'm overflowing. I'm full. I'm satisfied. Having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, the love gift, the care package, and what they sent really blessed Paul. But please notice what he says here. It's really a blessing to God. And it's really ultimately you're giving to him. It go, it's a sweet smelling aroma. Anybody like the smell of barbecue? Carl's Barbecue, right up on 290. You guys know Carl's Barbecue? It floats. We get a certain wind. It blows right into our neighborhood in Stone, where we live in Stonegate. And it's like, oh, smells like Texas. <laughs> but Paul's using this Old Testament imagery here of the Old Testament sacrifices, right? And they would go up, and it would be a sweet-smelling aroma to God. He talks about our prayers going up, like incense. Have you ever burned incense? You still burn incense? No. It, what does it do? It, it rises up, but it attaches to you. It's, our prayers rise up, and they attach themselves to the heart of God. And our giving, it rises up, and it touches his heart. I mean, it's amazing. Paul's like, when you gave, it wasn't really a gift just to me. It was to God, ultimately. An acceptable sacrifice. God approves of that. Why? Because it tells us in Hebrews 13, I can't remember the verse. It's my favorite verse for my kids when they're growing up. God is well pleased when you do good and share with such sacrifices. Isn't it a good verse for kids? You guys aren't sharing mine. Time out, gang. Here's what God says. We want to make God happy, right? We share, right? God is well pleased when we do good with such sacrifices. This was a sacrifice for the Philippians. Did you guys take note of that? It's a sacrifice. And it blessed God. It made him really happy. Loving, and that tells me, loving 
Sacrificial giving really, really blesses God. God is well pleased when his people give sacrificially. I'll finish with this verse because we're out of time. Remember what we learned in Ephesians. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Did you guys catch that? This love gift, this loving care for Paul. The Philippians were walking in the footsteps of Jesus. And when we love as we're called to love, it blesses the heart of our Father, you guys. Amen? In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much. You've blessed us, Lord, so much. And we just want to say thank you this morning for your goodness, for your amazing grace. For teaching us, Lord, these lessons of contentment. Some of them much harder than others. Some seasons harder than others, Lord, and yet you are with us no matter what. You promise to never leave us nor forsake us. That you truly are working all things together for good. Thank you for these amazing promises as well.